You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. from the Innsmouth Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest that includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Innsmouth BC. We hope to see you soon because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. Sponsor on the show, Clary. Clary offers a great price and better quality goods and services for music lovers. Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Clary's got you covered. Guitars, bass guitars, mandolins, They've got saxophones, trumpets, drums. They've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20-watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under $80. Guitars themselves for under $90. Come on, folks, check out the show notes. Get a glary. Hey everyone. It's me, DB. Just reminding you. We have t-shirts in the shop. Just go to pgttcm.com. Check out all of our cool t-shirts and stickers. Heck, we even got some shelf curtains in there. Keep clean. Look cool. Have cool stickers to put on stuff. Join us on Patreon and get a free sticker. It's up to you. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Cthulhu Mythos and its guide by us people. People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, hosted by yours truly, D.B. Spitzer, and to my virtual right, Farmer Dave, David Heath. How the heck are you doing this week, Dave? I am the heck doing well. Good to hear. How's everything up on the goat farm this week? It is goaty. Good. It is goaty. They just keep it, keeping them hydrated in the, all of our heat. Nice, nice. Yeah, uh, we've been picking uh, blackberries Black. and raspberries that grow on the edges of the cemetery, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, we're gonna probably have to hire the goats to come out and strip some of the blackberries out and whatnot. But you know. Well, that 
have goats will travel. Yeah, but that that, that feels like September work. <laughs> Maybe October work. Uh, yeah, yeah. So what are we what are we talking about today, Dave? Today we are talking about the person whose name I cannot pronounce. Oh, um, Narlethotep? Or, see, and, and the first person I ever heard that pronounced, because I have to admit, a lot of my early Lovecraftian was from reading. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So I always, Narlethotep. Okay. Like, Baba Hotep. Sure, first sure. The first person I ever he- heard pronounce it any way different was Ken Hype. Aha. And gotcha. then, I, you know, I talked to uh, Tim Mendes last week about him. Yeah. About Narlopatep, mm-hmm. not, or Narcolope. Sure. Uh, Narcolope is a animal that sees in the dark, by the way. Gotcha. But no. Uh, and, and he, the way he says it, it sounds very English. <laughs> and he said he got the pronunciation by putting things together, like, at the British Museum and stuff. Uh, so it's probably more accurate. Yeah, I, uh, I'd still call him everyone uh, Narlahotep or Narlihotep yeah, because yeah. I see him as the, the god of the California surfers. <laughs> <laughs> Hang 1,000. <laughs> yes. Or hang three tendrils. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That, that's the that's the form he takes when he goes to the deep ones. Gotcha, gotcha. So uh, we are talking about Narlethotep today. Um, actually, we're talking about Narlethotep all month. Actually, we're talking about Narlethotep. I think all season. Just uh, pretty much due to the fact. Oh, of, by the way, yeah. Happy Kinsaria. Oh, it's our sweet 16. It is our sweet 16. It is our sweet 16. Yeah. Yeah. We're uh, 16th season. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess this is our quinceanera. Um, I don't know. Uh, I I, I don't know much about quinceaneras except for from catering them in the past. So (laughs) Uh, a bunch of. Or no, I guess is, is is that the 15th? No, it's 16th. Never mind. I've been out of Spanish class for so long. <laughs> I've never taken Spanish, but everyone speaks Spanish around me, so hey. Um, yeah, so let's see. Uh, let's see. Um, nothing much going on in town this week, it seems. It's just been hot, and everyone's been either hanging out in the AC or going out for drinks and hanging out in the back area of uh, Oblivion's where they've got a hurricane machine. It's not a real hurricane. It's just a big fan that blows on everyone. And anyway, um, it was, it's the big hurricane machine, uh, thing that, um, I think four years ago, three years ago, I was talking about it. Anyway, um, not a big deal. So what is, uh, new in town that you've seen anything? Well, you know, last week we of course had, Bat Squatch. Bat Squatch. Oh, na, yeah. Na, 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 bat Squatch. So everybody has, you know, their Bat Squatch kites out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yep. you know, Darcy had her Bat Squatch uh, thrown out. Yep. And yep. I ate way too many 
bat squatch and meatball sandwiches. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I, man, I was busy working it. I prefer to work festivals than actually festivize at them, because then I have all the money afterwards to do whatever I want. But yeah, I, it makes sense. I like working festivals just because of the fact that it's like you get to be part of the fun, but also there's like the festival that's even crazier than the regular festival. After all the people leave, and it's just kitchen folk, because kitchen folk get weird. And but... you get a free T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of festivals yeah. and or cons, yeah. I think we should plug ourselves. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know the specifics. I just know that it's uh, in Portland. So, yeah, Rose City Comic Con. Rose City Comic Con. Which, uh, it's about a month. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's going to be on the week of September, a weekend, September 9th, 10th, and 11th. Okay. September 11th will be a Sunday, and we're and on... it will be either 10 or 11 o'clock, and we'll confirm it on the next show. Okay. And we are going to be doing a Cthulhu in Comics panel. Whoa, be... am I moderating that? Could be. Ooh, I like to moderate. <laughs> well, we will let you moderate. Uh, awesome. Although, I have to tell you... I am excited. In fact, I've ordered them. They're super rare. They're actually kind of cheap, but they're not in any um, any gra- uh, graphic novel assembled. Uh-huh. Is where uh, where Wolverine bought Abdul Al Hazarad. Oh wow! That's it. It was in the eighties. Uh-huh. Uh, hopefully, uh, I'll get mine that come in there, but. Talk a little bit about where Arkham came from. Uh-huh. Uh, our good friend uh, Scott Oles is going to talk about, uh, you know, uh, manga and Cthulhu. Yeah. And we've got a, you know, he's known mainly as a monster kid, but uh, Derek Cook, who hosted the Monster Kid Radio, uh-huh. he's a big comic book fan. Oh, yeah. He's going to oh, be yeah. talking about it, too. So it's going nice. to be a really good panel. Nice. Yeah, I should moderate because anytime anyone says... Um, Abdul Al Hazred, I my my brain switches to uh, Ra's Al Ghul. It's just like those two in my brain are like in in in, in my brain canon, which I don't bring up most of the time on this show, mm-hmm. um, because it's not the Cthulhu mythos. <laughs> I always see Al Hazred and Ra's Al Ghul as kind of like the same person. <laughs> well, well, I I, de- I definitely see them. You know, I definitely see them as, um, oh, uh, as uh, together. Sure. Uh, But you know who else saw them as together? Who? And maybe we should, um, uh, maybe we should wait for the show, uh, the panel. But you know who else saw them as the same? Who? Mike Magnolia, the creator of Hellboy. Yeah, that makes sense. As well as the doom that came to Arkham. Yeah. All right. Okay, so that's gonna be cool. That's gonna be uh, that's gonna be on September 11th at uh, Rose City Comic Con in Portland, Oregon, at the Rose City Convention Center. So, if you're gonna be in Portland, check it out. And if you live in Portland, uh, high five us 
And ask me, DB, for stickers. Dave may not have stickers unless I give him a grip of stickers because I'm the one who makes I, the stickers. <laughs> I'm, st I'm sticker deficient. Yes, yes. And I'll probably have pins, too, that have Pickle Cthulhu on it. So, yeah. And if you know what Pickle Cthulhu is, it's not related to Pickle Rick. I created Pickle Cthulhu before I even knew about Pickle Rick. And, yeah, it's just um, the standard People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos logo with the long... Uh, phallical-looking Cthulhu. Uh, I refer to it as Pickle Cthulhu because the other one, uh, yeah, what I, I, I refer to it, what I referred to it in the studio isn't very uh, radio safe. So, today, we're going to talk about Narlethotep. What's... And before we, before we talk oh, about sure, Narlethotep, sure. we should talk about Narlethotep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Meaning, instead of talking about the creature, let's talk about the short story that was named after him. Definitely. Definitely. So, what, 1921, I believe it was? 1920. 1920. Oh, well, I, I was just guessing. Huh? <laughs> so, 1920, H.P. Lovecraft writes a story that... I believe he was living in New York at the time, or is this not even at that point This yet? will be pre-New pre -New York. Okay, so he's in Providence. He, uh, it'll be published in the uh, the United Amateur. Okay. And it will be like so many other of his stories, based on a dream. Yeah. Yeah. Oop, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Uh, no, 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 I was just saying, yeah, no, it's based off of a dream. But and some people uh, speculate that it was also based off of like things that were going on in the world around at the time, and uh, demonstrations of scientific equipment and things like that. But yeah, no, no, Lovecraft had a dream about a magician showing off technological marvels, I believe. Yes, yes, uh, and we know most of this from a letter he wrote to uh, Samuel Loveman. Yeah, about it. Uh, and you're right that there were, and there were specifically two people that were demonstrating electricity, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, Tesla as well as Edison. Ah, and I, I was, I was going to say there's one person, but it's like 1920. So it's like that other person isn't going to even be in America yet. So, and, uh, that would be. Uh, oh, my brain's not working right now. It's not Tesla. It's not Edison. It is uh, two oscillating. Uh, oh, man. Um, oh, um, it's the musical instrument that you play with. Theremin. Theremin. Yes, Leo Theremin. You know, uh, Theremin was a spy. Was a spy. And he the was. Union. Yeah. And uh, he was in America in 1921, I believe, and was demonstrating uh, that sort of thing as well, but not electrical necessarily, but still very, very quite interesting. And yeah, okay, now that I know that Theremin wasn't in America uh, at the or time. Was that, or was he? He was a Soviet spy. He was a Soviet spy, he so we have no idea. Uh, go to Wikipedia, look this stuff up yourself, write a book, t and uh, then tell me about it, because I only have half, half information. I'm not telling you to write a book, Dave. I'm telling the audience, write a book. And then read. Read three times as many books as you ever write. <laughs> at, least, probably, at least. At least. At least. I mean, I know it was Garth Marenghi who said, I've written more books than I've read, but don't be Garth Marenghi. 
<laughs> Have you ever seen Dark Marenghi uh, there, Dave? The the English show? Yeah. Yes, I, I have. I love that show. <laughs> and it does get into some slightly mythosy bits here and there. And uh, yeah, yeah, we need to get back to Narlethotep. <laughs> so, so speaking of Narlethotep, uh -huh. um, so it was based on a, a dream. Yeah. And the story is different. And it's one of the first stories I read. Yeah. Uh, when I was still a teenager, and it struck me as something very different from the rest of Lovecraft. Sure. First of all, it's a prose poem, mm -hmm. and I, to this day, couldn't tell you the definition of a prose poem, and that, that whole concept seems oxymoronic. Sure, sure. But the other thing is, spoiler, a 102-year-old story. Oh, okay. The world pretty much ends. Oh, yeah, yeah, or yeah. The, So how does that fit with... Everything else, and again, Lovecraft wasn't trying to really, especially in the twenties. Oh yeah, he wasn't really trying to create this mythos. He wasn't trying to create all these interlocking stories. Yeah, yeah. If you, if but, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, if if you want uh, to know how the Cthulhu mythos became this 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 thing, um, that's August Derleth, and then. Mm -hmm. Sandy Peterson. Derlethotep. Um, what's that? Derlethotep. Derlethotep. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, a new name for August Derleth. I just thought that. He's Derlethotep. Derlethotep. I like that. I like that. But yeah, no, no. You have um, the role-playing game in the 80s that, like, uh, canonized a lot of things. And you also have uh, Aug August Derleth, who's, like, trying to create a mythology, a mythos out of all of this. And, and, connect and, and all not these only a mythology, together. and arguably, it's not a bad thing, a marketable mythology. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a weird thing. I mean, anyway. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and um, some people to this day are not fans of the Cthulhu mythos being a Cthulhu mythos and are like, no, just treat it as like all separate individual things written it's not this canonized it's not this homogenous it's not this it's it's they're all their own individual things that all stem from a same source material but they're not supposed to be related which totally destroys everything that sandy peterson and chaosium did but at the same time it's like how one way the cthulhu mythos should be treated I don't treat it that way. I think it's fun the other way. <laughs> and, and, and as an adult, I think it's actually more air quotes canon, unair quotes, than I thought as a teenager. Okay. Yeah. Because there's something that I, when I first read this, I'm assuming that it's taking place in 1920. Yeah. This could be hundreds of years later. Sure. Yeah. There's nothing really identifying the time, mm -hmm. you know. And, and when I first read it, the, at least the beginning, I was thinking, you know, maybe even it was before the 20s. Sure. But now I read it, you know, it could be. And Lovecraft basically kind of hints that everything gets taken over. Yeah. He, he describes sort of what happened to the world in some of his Randolph Carter stories. Yeah. But also... 
you know, it, it kind of predicts the future in, uh, in he. Yeah. And part of me thinks it's what in his dream he sees as, like, the end of an era, the end of, like, humanity or the end of, like, whatever. And honestly, that could just be, like, uh, the end of a status change that Lovecraft didn't like. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like, just could be the uh, end of an era and the starting of a new era. Um, and, and maybe it didn't go past this little desert town. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. Maybe Narahotep just stopped it for his own purpose. Certainly, certainly. Um, there's a lot of ways that you can look at the story Narlethotep and a lot of ways that you can interpret it because it is fairly vague. Um, is it just those people who went to the show and then started hallucinating things? Is it the end of the world? Is it the end of an era? Is it just that town that just got messed up? I mean, as you said, or is it all just a dream? Because <laughs> it all has a very dreamlike quality to it. And uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, how is this supposed to be interpreted? And I, you know, as I said, it can be interpreted a lot of different ways. Exactly. And, and one thing also that we also see in this. Yeah. That we're going to see, especially early Lovecraft, but even later Lovecraft. Sure. Is the first person narrator, narrator unnamed. Uh-huh. And just sort of thrown in the story. Yeah. This is one of those stories I don't attribute to uh, Randolph Carter. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 like after, but before like anything before like 1921, I'm like, oh yeah, Randolph Carter's not in any of that. That's just Lovecraft writing. <laughs> yeah. Although, Although, and part of that, which is because Carter, well, first of all, it doesn't seem like Carter from no, the first no. narrative. Mm -hmm. But Carter beats Narahotep, yeah, or Narathotep, or N. In the Dream Quest of the Unknown Kadath. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, so, that's where we get the power meeting between the two. Yes. And so, yes, so it, it, it's unlikely that that would be, besides the fact that it's assumed that the storyteller dies. The, so a lot of ways, Narlahotep is Lovecraft's version of the Christian devil. Yeah, yeah. Or And also kind of murky. And, and we see them the as, as, yeah, as the leader of covens, the mm -hmm. leaders uh, of witches. Yeah. Um, but he has a lot of different versions. Yeah. Uh, including one that I thought was sort of interesting is the way that he... It appears in Whispers of the Darkness. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of questions on that. Yeah. And again, traditionally, hi, yeah, hey, we're going to talk about a 90-year-plus story again. <laughs> but uh, spoilers, spoilers. Um, so they're, the Migos are worshipping Narlalpita. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Hold on one second. Oh, never mind. She she hung up. Uh, Sarah was calling me. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Do you want to call her back? Or? No, no. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. So, the, you know, there at the end, the, the main character 
finds, you know, the, the skin of, you know, the, the Migo in the skin sure. uh, of this, you know, person he's visiting and runs off. And a lot of people have uh, have theorized that it wasn't a Migo, it was Norlapate. Huh. And, and I kind of, I didn't read that. I didn't get that in that story, you know. Yeah. But then someone's, you know, came why wouldn't Narlot, that? why wouldn't he have Amigo? If he's got a thousand forms, he's got to appear in Amigo or something. Oh, sure, yeah. You know, why would he appear, why would he appear in a human form or, you know, uh, a humanoid form? To the Migos. Sure. So it, even though it is obviously to, to me, you know, uh, a fungi from the youth, sure. you know, fungi from Utah, yeah. maybe it's also not a hotel. That's something interesting to think about. Yeah. No, we've got uh, your, your classic trickster god uh, who is a messenger for a blind idiot god Azathoth. I mean, this is this is kind of the role that Nara Lethotep plays in a lot of fiction written by other people other than Lovecraft, and how he's kind of grown in a way over the last ninety plus years. Um, but yeah, yeah, we're going to be talking a lot more about this guy. So, you know, stay tuned for the next two three months. <laughs> It'll be a lot more interesting than just us rambling about like uh, this and that, but yeah. So um, I think. And by that... the by the time we get to the end of this, I'll be cited on a pronunciation. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite uh, avatar before we go too far? Um. So, I mean, I we'll talk about it. I I mean the. Uh, the the beast of the bloody tongue. Mm -hmm. uh, I really like T. E. D. Klein's um, uh, uh, black man with a horn. Yeah. Uh, which it sounds racist. Yeah. But it's not. No, no, it's a little bit different than it's a little bit different than uh, Lovecraft's The Black Man. But yeah. So yeah. 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 So um. So yeah, there's a lot of different versions, and, and honestly. Um, he's Narlahotep, 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 Mr. N. Has never really been one of my favorite characters. Um, what he does come out though, in ways he's he as the messenger, he's more human-like. Oh sure. Than yeah. say Azathoth or even Yog Sagoth, which will mate with humans. He's much he not only physically will take human form, but he plays with humans. You know, he he makes deals with humans. Uh, he you know attempts to deceive humans, mm -hmm. and so he's still obviously very Lovecraftian. Sure, but he in fact in ways he's sort of the definition of Lovecraftian. Yeah, but he's also very different from all the other outer gods and great old ones. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, you could introduce Narlathotep in a lot of different ways. You can introduce uh, him as, like, I don't know, uh, just a simple person who 
claims that they're Narlethotep, uses it as their stage name, a magician, whatever. Uh, you could have, you could make anagrams and have like your nuclear scientist. Uh, have... That's it, Dr. Dexter. Yeah. Do Dr. Dexter in um, uh, the uh, uh, Robert Block's uh, The Shadow of the Steeple. Yeah. Where it turns out that, yeah, the, the guy who invented the atom bomb was possessed by Narlathotep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there is literally over a thousand things you can do with Narlathotep. This is Dave's Corner of the Podcast. It is awesome and it's gonna go fast. It's not the interview part. It's not the part where DB talks Hey everybody, it's me, uh, Farmer Dave, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some obscure uh, mythos entities. Uh, and every once in a while on the show, you know, we we come up with something and there's just, there's just not enough information to uh, talk about the subject we had planned. Uh, and still, I did a little bit of research, and I did a little bit more research after on one of our canceled topics, so I'm going to kind of talk about it today. And that is the rather obscure great old ones, Nug and Yib. They are the gruesome twosome of the Cthulhu mythos. Now, they first appeared in a revision that uh, Lovecraft did for Alfonso de Castro uh, in what was eventually published as The Last Test. But Castro's original working title was A Sacrifice to Science. Now, with a name like Adolfo de Castro, uh, it's very obvious that he was born in Poland. Uh, he was actually a born uh, into a Jewish community in Poland. He took the name, uh, the, the or at least writing, and went by a lot of uh, you know, it went by daily, Aldolfe uh, de Castro, uh, because he claimed, and probably so, that 400 years before his ancestor, uh, uh, Israel uh, de Castro, uh, had come from Portugal to uh, Poland. Uh, so when he moves to the United States, and he's actually going to be very influential. Uh, he lives uh, maybe about six months shy of 100 years old. Uh, he moves to uh, the United States. He becomes uh, a writer, but he also becomes uh, very big in the early uh, Sephardic uh, Jewish movement in the United States, uh, especially in California. And, and this isn't really a show about De Castro, uh, but Lovecraft isn't his first ghostwriter. Uh, before that, he actually somehow convinces or, you know, just bugs until um, Ambrose Pierce agrees to actually 
uh, revise one of his earlier stories. Um, so, a couple things. First of all, Lovecraft and DeCastro did not get along very well. And the main reason for this was DeCastro was very picky. And, and we think of Lovecraft as sort of this finicky person, but DeCastro just nitpicked uh, Lovecraft's revision that finally at a point, Lovecraft, the man who spent most of his life starving, said, this guy's money ain't worth it. He's not, for what he's paying me and the amount of work he's making me do, it ain't worth it. So he refused to help uh, DeCastro in any other stories um, after uh, his second revision for him. Now, the original story that would become The Last Test, uh, written by DeCastro, was not a horror, was not a supernatural horror story. Uh, it taught, you know, mad scientists using prisoners. So the supernatural parts were brought in by Lovecraft later in the story so it would be published. Uh, and we can just only assume that uh, DeCastro uh, signed off on it. I'm sure he did. Because, uh, you know, eventually it's going to be published under his name. So because of all the supernatural aspects being added by Lovecraft, we can pretty much assume that Nug and Yib are also going to be added by him and are created by Lovecraft. And so they are basically just throwaway mentions in the last test. Uh, I believe that, you know, their names are seen on, like, uh, some sort of stone pillar in the Yucatan. And we're going to have a lot more about, about uh, Naginyeb in the things such as the letters than as characters in canonical stories. And um, so uh, most of what we know about these two creatures are going to be that the word of God trope that comes not in the stories, but the authors saying things uh, directly about their characters, but don't appear in a story. And they're going to appear in background in quite a few of the mythos stories, but there's no really story, at least written in Lovecraft's time, where they are the focus of attention or the main antagonist or, or characters. But the circle is going to write a lot about them uh, and their, their letters, their correspondence. Uh, and a lot of that information is going to come from one of my least favorite uh, mythos creations, and that is the Family Tree of the Gods. Now, in the Family Tree of the Gods, which... I maintain Lovecraft wrote as a joke. Uh, I think that it was never meant to be taken seriously. It was never meant to be taken as canon. And arguably, I don't think it was meant to be taken as a guide for writers, even though he shared it with his circle. I think it was more of an in-joke. But others were going to come in later and, and use them as canon. 
Now, according to this, then uh, Yib and Nug are the children of Shugnigaroth and Yosagoth. And it kind of makes sense. And even though I don't like the family tree of the god of the outer gods, it makes kind of sense. Uh, Yogsagoth, we definitely know. Uh, I mean, he does mate with other creatures, including human beings. Shognigaroth is the fertility goddess, and she has at least a thousand young. So, if they create children in sort of the biological way and I don't mean to be gross of this but if there is DNA or genetic material from a mother and a father that combine it kind of makes sense that there would be descendants of these two and because this is the god of time and space and the fertility goddess or the warped fertility goddess it makes sense that they're twins. I, th I think that's kind of, you know, it, it, it makes sense that there are plurality of creatures. Maybe it would make more sense if there were hundreds and hundreds, almost like a litter. And, and maybe they are. Uh, Lovecraft never excludes this. Maybe, uh, and this is just me speculating, but maybe Nug and Yib are just the two that hang around in the, you know, the earthly terrestrial plane. Now there is a competing or alternative creation story for the uh, gruesome twosome. And this again comes through uh, a much later 1970 sort of writing circle uh, with Robert M. Price, in which he says, that the second epistle of Ebon uh, says that it is that they are basically when, created when Shaksaokakuluth um, was divided in two, uh, some sort of uh, outer god mitosis or meiosis. Did I just say that the outer gods had stinky breath? I think I did. Continue. But uh, as we go on, now, these are two completely conflicting stories, but it can work in the greater Cthulhu mythos because Pierce, uh, Price isn't saying it happened. He's just saying this is what Ebon wrote or someone wrote in Ebon's name. And I think that sort of, especially since, uh, you know, the family tree of the outer gods is not canon, I think this works very well that there are conflicting beliefs of where Noginyev came from. You know, and I call this the, you know, the family tree of the outer gods. I believe Lovecraft actually labeled it uh, the family tree of Azathoth. But he makes Nub basically the father of Cthulhu. And again, despite all these weird, bizarre, alien concepts of things like color out of space, which is so alien that humans can only identify as color, uh, these beings pretty much procreate like human beings.
And so Nub is the father of Cthulhu. The cornerstone of the Cthulhu mythos, or what we now call the Cthulhu mythos. Thank you, Ralph. Ralph agrees with me. But it's not... Cthulhu didn't really have that much importance outside of the call Cthulhu uh, to Lovecraft. Yog uh, Sagoth was a much more... Thank you, Ralph. Much more sort of important character. Narlahotep, or the gnarly one as I like to call him, definitely has much more ink space than Cthulhu. But this rather obscure deity, and I think this is one of the evidence that Lovecraft maybe took this as a joke when he, when he made the family tree here. Uh, again, look, thank you so much. Ralph has a lot of opinions on this. When we read the correspondences and, and the things that Lovecraft wrote to the circle, these were pretty important entities because even though we don't see them directly in the stories. Now, Yib is going to have a, an important child, too, and that is Sukhwafba. Um And this name will be created by Lovecraft, but it's Clark Ashton Smith who sort of takes it, given the name, and takes it and runs with it. Behind the scenes, Yig and Nub are given kind of really important uh, positions and status that don't really uh, trickle down to the stories. And through Nib, or through Cthulhu, you know, Nib's great-great-grandchild is going to be Solrash Ho, who is the father of the ghouls. And again, Lovecraft doesn't put this in any stories. He puts this in the letters that he's sharing with people behind the scenes. And Soraj Ho's child is going to be Yogosh the Ghoul. And we can kind of read in, maybe this was the first ghoul in the Cthulhu mythos. And from the letters, um, it's also going to be an ancient ancestor of Lovecraft. So Lovecraft doesn't get self-inserted in the canon stories by Lovecraft. Uh, he does by later people, especially Derelith, who is going to use this as a form of self-advertising for uh, the Arkham House. But he does self-insert himself in the background and from the letters where he kind of hints that maybe he has ghoulish blood. Now, this may or may not have influenced Derelith in basically presenting Lovecraft after he posthumously as a real person whose books you could buy conveniently from him in the Arkham House stories. So in these letters, it's implied that Lovecraft is not only a descendant of, of Nub, but that he is a descendant of Cthulhu, which is kind of ironic. And, and I'm wondering if Lovecraft maybe played with this idea that Love, he is basically the father of, 
of Cthulhu and the fact that he created it. But in this sort of headcanon universe that he shares with his friends, in ways Cthulhu is not his father, but his great, 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 whatever great grandfather. Uh, and I'm not sure, and I've got to do a little bit more research on this, if Lovecraft meant it that way, but I could definitely see it being his form of sly sense of humor. So that's really, at least at this time, that's all really I've got on uh, Yib and Nug. Uh, but uh, definitely there's a lot of stuff that we do, a lot of research, and just for whatever reason, this does not make it into the show. So we're hoping we'll maybe be able to sort of pass this on as time goes. Uh, in fact, I think we're going to talk about uh, Dungeons and Dragons next. Hey everyone, it's me, DB. New sponsor on the show, Glary. Glary offers a great price and better quality goods and services for music lovers. Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Glary's got you covered. Guitars, bass guitars, mandolins, They've got saxophones, trumpets, drums. They've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20-watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under $80. Guitars themselves for under $90. Come on, folks, check out the show notes. Get a glary. This episode is brought to you by California Tea House. California Tea House is a family-owned tea store where you can find some of the world's best loose-leaf tea and organic herbal tea blends. Like a fine wine, there is no comparison between fine loose-leaf and common broken-leaf tea bags. So, yeah, no, check them out. Check them out. They have quite a bit of pretty awesome tea collections. I'm a huge fan of their white teas. Uh, they have a tea club that you can join, but, you know, they've got green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, that uh, robios and herbal tea. They've also got teaware. So check out California Tea House in the show notes. a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Hear your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classics and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival, Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and The Head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. Thank you once again for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You can help show your support by going to the show notes and following any of the links that'll tell you how to support the show and how to support our guests. And thank you to all of our guests who 
you can find in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe, and remember, patrons get priority access to asking us questions, suggesting topics, even, I don't know, uh, submitting stuff. Actually, you don't have to be a patron to submit anything. That's how Dave got on the show, and that's how you can get on the show, too. It's the people's guide to the Cthulhu mythos. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Thank you for listening. Back to the show. Hey everyone, it's me, DB, with Dave, back again. We're talking about D&D on D&D, and the topic is D&D on D&D. So, wow, that is so meta. I know. So, Dave, how do you yes. get ready to play D&D? Like, people always, you know, ask me questions like, how do you play D&D? And then I'm like, okay, so you get dice, and you need to get paper, and you need to do this, and you need to do that. And they're like, no, how do you play D&D? And I'm like, well, you need to get dice, and you need to get paper, and you get a pencil, and then you need to learn the rules. Um, and I'm not going to teach them to you, so go get this book. I will loan you a book. You read it, and then you learn how to play it. <laughs> but, Dave, uh, how do you handle... So I have two different answers to that. Sure. It depends on whether I am dungeon master or player. Sure. So, I mean, if I have a friend or someone who needs assistance, you know, I'll help them. Otherwise, if I'm a player, the best thing I do is just is get into my character. Okay. Um, and just, to, just concentrate on my character. If I know the story, you know, I, I can focus in on, on that or how my character relates. But it's a lot more if I'm the Dungeon Master. I want, especially if we're doing virtual. Yeah. Um, and I do a lot of virtual, not D&D, but cyberpunk. So I'm collecting uh, maps. I've got to keep a storyline, and I've got to rethink the storyline. Does it make sense after I write it? Yeah. You know, why didn't the NPC turn left instead of right mm -hmm. and completely change the story? So I'll, it really depends on whether I'm a, a player or a, a DM or a GM. Sure. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So what... Okay, let's see. Uh, basically, what you need, and you can disagree with me if you feel, what you need to play D&D. &D. You need a dungeon master, someone who knows and can access a lot of the rules or can make stuff up on the fly. Uh, you need, I'm going to say, two to five players. Anything bigger is too big. And anything smaller is too small, unless you're doing one-on-one -on -one games, and those those can be fun, especially when you're trying to do your zero uh, zero session, which is yeah. what I call when you create your character with a dungeon master, and the dungeon master's like, okay, so tell me about your character, and you make up like a shared thing, and you and your dungeon master then know who your character is. If you don't have the opportunity to do that, I recommend writing down on one sheet of paper and 12-point font your character description on one side of the paper 
single space, double space, doesn't matter, but don't give people anything more than like three, four paragraphs about your character's background, because otherwise people won't care and you should write a book instead. <laughs> write, it, write, write a book about your character instead of playing Dungeons and Dragons if you're going to put that much time and effort into it. Um, or unless everyone in your party is all about the heavy character, the high fantasy, and everyone's on the same. But a lot of times you'll get people who are like, hey, this is my Friday night thing that I do. This is my nerd poker. This is my get out of the house. I don't want to listen to you talk about your character's background for 20 minutes when all I want to do is smash ogres in the face. Yeah, and uh, the other thing is I think that the internet is a great tool. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm all for, you know, if, you know, you're using someone else's art, if you can pay them, if not, yep. you definitely give them credit. Sure. But there's so many things, many of them may, by the publishing company mm -hmm. to help the project where a physical you can get a physical picture even if you're you know I can't do stick figures yeah but you know I can find find something so that cuts a, when you have a picture to show mm -hmm. uh, and there's also a, a program that I've recently discovered um, where it allows you to actually sort of put pictures together and meld faces. Oh, interesting. Uh, and so you can, even if you aren't artistic, you can sort of make your own art. Nice. So there's a lot. Uh, so if you have a picture, that cuts out a lot of the description. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and... Um... Always check with your dungeon master before coming up with a background. You may come up with a background that's like, oh, my family were elves and our city was destroyed by orcs. And your DM could be like, I don't treat orcs like that. Orcs are their own separate society. They're not this nomadic barbarian race that just attacks people. Sorry, that doesn't work for me. Uh, you know, you could just check with things, find out what the campaign setting is instead of just being, I'm like the predator. What do you mean? Oh, I'm a jungle fighter, and I can turn invisible. What's what? I mean, you know, just just check with things first. Find out what rules. Find out what house rules, because you know not everyone agrees with fifth edition, fourth edition, third edition, second edition, whatever edition of Dungeons and Dragons, Chainmail, Gamma World, uh, you know, whatever RPG you're playing in general. Make sure you're using the right edition. It's kind of bad to show up for a Call of Cthulhu game and have a third edition book when everyone has 5.6 or 6th or even 7th edition books, um, which happened to me when I was in high school. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and, Oh, no, in college, is, but yeah. Is character background mm -hmm. shouldn't be used to get around the rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so you, you can't write something in that says, and then my character was an Olympic sprinter <laughs> and be able to like double your, I think you're going to go with doubling your, like your movement unless you've got a feat or something or spend points or however. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, um, you can't just create a character from whole cloth. There are various ways of creating characters, whether it be a point by system uh, 46 drop the lowest or, you know, there's, there's various systems mm -hmm. and you can find them on the internet. 
I'm a personal big fan of the point buy system, then everyone kind of ends up with the same thing. And if you do it wrong and you don't do it, you know, if you do it poorly, that's your own fault. Because, uh, you know, dice rolling, sometimes you'll have some people who roll amazing dice, and then you'll have other people who don't roll as well. And it's like, yeah, my monk doesn't, can barely be a monk. It's like yeah. you have someone who's a bard who's like, I could have been anything. This is amazing. I'm solving everything. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, a point by system's a little bit funner for everyone. If, you know, because I have had games where people are like, I don't like my character. I hate my character. My character's not as good as everyone else. And can I kill my character? And it's like, well, the story is, is that you're all from the same place and you're all adventurers together. And, you know, it's just stuff like that you have to work with. Um, this isn't how to be a dungeon master. This is how to play D&D. &D. But, yeah, um, other things I like to think about, like, with, with more, like, meta aspects of D&D, &D, um, if you're going to go play D&D, &D, bring stuff. Like, bring snacks for other people. Or, you know, don't just show up empty-handed. I mean, granted... Dave will be like, you never brought snacks, but <laughs> mm -hmm. I was also getting right off work, so I couldn't really bring. Things. That's true. Um, and, yeah, no, and, and and definitely, I think another is, you know, they don't have to be your best friend, but maybe develop a rapport with the yeah. people you're playing with outside, or it's not the game. Ask yeah. them how they're doing. You know what? So you, you don't necessarily have to be your best friend. You don't even have to do things outside the game, but know them as players as well as characters. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's people that uh, we played with. I didn't end up, like, you know, having a rapport with everyone, but there's some people that I still uh, talk to. And, yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, by creating a rapport with other players, if, like, for some reason you don't like your dungeon master... You can all bail on that game and form a game with other people. I've done this in like high school as well. Not with you, Dave. I, I don't play with those guys. You would know that. That's probably. okay. <laughs> I wouldn't know if you did. That was a fun <laughs> game. Too bad COVID happened. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no. Um, you don't have to like be best friends with these people. Yeah, you 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 have to you know just kind of like get along with them. It's like classmate or co-workers but also at the same time if there's stuff happening in your game that you're like really uncomfortable with don't force yourself to be a part of that game i mean i don't know um yeah. I don't... so, so I, I i've been watching a lot of DD horror stories on sure. youtube yeah and, and pretty much the common thread there is no DD is better than bad DD. yeah yeah and you know and part of me said, well, it's a bad D&D. Well, that could be a bad session or something. You know, it'll get better. But, yeah, if you're, um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a, in real life, I don't really like conflict. But, yeah, if the game's not working for you, walk off. I mean, first of all, you're taking a seat from someone that might fit with the game. Sure. And also, it's it's your own time. And your own time is far more precious than getting along with a bunch of people to play a game on paper with some dice or to be honest on your cell phone or laptop with some um, dice generating program but yeah yeah it's life's too short 
to play bad D and D. It's you know you know the old adage uh, any pizza's good pizza isn't true um, with D and D. It's I've been in games where it's like uh, the the uh, DM was like, okay, so we're doing an aquatic adventure, and the rest of us were like, no, we're not. We're not being sea elves. We're not doing an aquatic adventure. And we just switched out the DM, and the guy was mad because it was his house. And, like, and, and you know, it's just like we came together to play D&D. Um, we're not playing Axis and Allies. We're not getting together to play video games. We're getting together to play D&D in a way that we find fun. And if we don't like your idea, don't take it personally. Just recognize the fact that we want to have fun and if you suggest something and no one if your party doesn't want to do something maybe reconsider how you're uh creating your dungeons or your ideas and stuff or maybe you need new people i mean that if you're a dm and the people don't like your ideas maybe you need new people um granted uh the the uh common thing is you but Maybe you just picked a bunch of turds, and <laughs> not not even that. Maybe you could be you could be like they could be great human beings. Oh sure, you just got different ways to play the game. Or yeah. you 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 know you know one there's not you could be a wonderful human being and like combat. Yeah, yeah, you know so that yeah. Or they could be turds. Yeah, yeah. And I've had people who are, like, amazing players, but, like, just, like, garbage, like, just, like, really garbagey people that you're like, oh, it was fun playing D&D, but I don't want you anywhere near my house. <laughs> so it, it is such a balance. It is such a balance. And unless you know all your players, I mean, sometimes you're having, like, randos show up at your house or your friend's house. Or maybe your friend is like, oh, I know a guy from college or I know a guy from work who's going to host a D&D. Do you want to go? And you never know what you're going to get. But, I mean, honestly, try and make the most of it. And if it doesn't work, just guess what? There's so many people out there who play Dungeons and Dragons. There may not, you know, you might have problems finding people in your own social group. Um, I've done things like, okay, this was a long time ago, and Craigslist was brand new, and I put a mm -hmm. listing on Craigslist for looking for people to play D and D, and I got a lot of garbage people, but I also got a lot of good people that I ended up playing with for years, and got to test out a bunch of stuff that I'd been working on for various projects and got to go back to the drawing board, uh, get feedback for my projects. Um, and yeah, no, I, I whew, random people playing D and D with you can sometimes be the greatest thing, but also it can be scary. <laughs> and, and, and there's a lot more things for that. Uh, oh, sure. 20, um, you know, so there's a lot of a lot of you know LFG looking for group things out there now. Oh yeah. And, and the nice thing is, you know, I I play with you know a guy in in New Zealand. Okay. You, you know, I you know, and when I'm playing, it's eleven o'clock here in Pacific time, uh -huh. and it's six o'clock in the morning the next day <laughs> there. You know, so there there's. You know, I I had recently had somebody from Helsinki uh -huh. hit me up, interested in being part of a um, a, a cyberpunk game that oh, I'm that's running. Cool. So yeah, it's it really is 
a bigger ocean. And I think that, you know, people are a lot more after post-COVID. And yeah, we there's nothing that's going to really beat being with your friends and, you know, that that it's, it's like going to the movies, yeah. you know, it's, but I think that there's more and more stuff out there like Roll20 and Virtual Tabletop where, yeah, it, it no longer, you know, you no longer have to be your limited geographical area. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, years ago for yogsothoff.com, I actually created a um, blank flyer template so that people could print out and post up in their comic book or RP, uh, like role-playing game stores, comic book stores, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Those are so awesome for finding people. And you can, it's, it's, it's kind of like if you're in a band and you put out a flyer being like, looking for a bass player. Uh, we love Skinner, Slipknot, and um, uh, Esquivel. Those are our influences. If you like those three, check us out. Um, and... You know, um, someone who's into those three would be like, oh, hey, I love those three, and I play bass. And it's. We're, we're looking for a bard. Yeah, and, and not even like that. Not even necessarily like we're looking for a bard, but just like looking for players for a post apocalyptic uh, zombie themed Call of Cthulhu game. Someone would see that and be like, that is my bread and butter. I need in on that. Oh, too bad I live two towns over. And Skype hasn't been invented yet. But hey, you know what? Skype's been invented. So, and Zoom and all those other things. Um, you don't have to play by mail anymore. You don't have to get together in a uh, chat room without being able to see each other's faces. I mean, there's so much stuff that you could like do live die rolls in front of other people now. It's like as. Dungeons and Dragons gets older and older, and technology gets greater and greater. We we uh, you know entertainment technology uh, gets greater and greater. We we have more ways of connecting with with each other as as telecommunications communications in general expand uh, to, to 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 like uh, what used to only be fantasy like 20, 30 years ago. So yeah, bust out your trick. Okay. Dr- Dick Tracy watches and uh, play some Dungeons and Dragons, everyone. Yeah, in the world where <laughs> William Gibson, the street finds its own use for things. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, you know, Dungeons and Dragons though is 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 like a really good social tool for people who necessarily don't necessarily. Uh, I'm not saying people who play Dungeons Dragons are nerds and that nerds don't necessarily socialize as well. But um, so Dungeons and Dragons is played by nerds and nerds don't necessarily socialize as well. Um, uh, yeah, that's what I was saying. And uh, it's, it's, it's a great way, like, you know, if your kids don't socialize that well, but are prone to fantasy stuff, if you yourself feel like you're not getting out there and talking to people, Get into a Dungeons and Dragons game. Um, I, I think Dungeons and Dragons is so good for kids and teenagers and adults in general. I mean, it's 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 lasted this long for a reason, folks. It's some people don't have fun, like they don't do it to like have giddy fun or anything. They want to be very serious and have a serious character and really think about their life choices. Or some people just want to be like, oh yeah, this is my. Um, Half elf, um, 
Haywood Jablomi. And, you know, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll get, like, joke campaigns and joke characters and joke items. And it's seriousness. You know, you don't have to be too serious. You don't have to be too lighthearted. But, again, uh, look around your group. See what's going on. Read the room. And, yeah. Yeah. Adjust. <laughs> and, and I think that is. And, and, you know, I think there's also, I think originally, maybe it was just from my group, you know, Oh yeah, there it's just was your sort group. of there was sort of this concept, you know, you you ate your green beans, you know, and you liked them. Yeah, I mean, you just whatever the DM. But now I think it's more of a the a session zero. I think is one of the greatest advancements on the game. Sure, that people now get together first and find out. And say, just find, hey, this is going to be humorous. This is going to have dark themes. Whatever. Yeah, I, I personally, I, I have left a game at session zero just because it was like, okay, so this is the type of D&D I want to play, but you are bound and determined to do this type of D&D, which I know for a fact I don't enjoy the mysterious setting, you know, and it's like I don't want to play the mysterious setting um, with someone who's never played D&D before. So it's like, oh, okay, so you've played other games and you want to do this, but okay, cool. Well, I think I'm going to say no just not to waste your time, you know. And and that's completely legitimate. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, when breaking up with your dungeon master, or if you're a dungeon master breaking up with your players, I highly recommend you use kind of a it's not you, it's me kind of mentality. Just kind of like, I just, you know, hey, I, I think it'd be better if you found someone else to play with just because the fact that... I, this isn't how I play D&D, and it'll be a huge waste of your time. But then again, I have also played with some garbage crews and taught them how I played D&D, and it helped them pick their game up to the point where it'd be like, okay, I'll DM you guys. You're not garbage monsters now. And, and, and there's also, you know, it's completely, if you're up front with it, say, hey, that's really not my bag, but yeah. I'm kind of curious. I want to try this out. And the GM may say, no, I want... You know, I want commitment up front, or they say, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I've had that specifically a lot with GURPS, because I'm not a huge GURPS player, and I don't want to waste my time playing GURPS when I could be playing, like, Cyberpunk, Shadowrun, D&D, you know, Pathfinder, whatnot. And, you know, I would, like, meet up with GURPS groups from time to time just because of the RPG store by my house. And, um, yeah, I like GURPS, but... I don't like how everyone plays GURPS. And you know what? Uh, you can have that feeling about D&D. Maybe people don't play D&D the way that you like it. Maybe you want more of a high fantasy and they want to go with more of a low fantasy sword and sandal kind of setting. Or maybe you're really into planar old stuff. You're like, man, Planescape was the best. I want to be a rogue Modron. And they're like, no, we're we're doing Greyhawk. You're, you're, you're just a boring D&D character. It's not that exciting. Don't worry about it. We're, we're doing Greyhawk. And no, I'm not saying Greyhawk is not as cool as Planescape, but it's not. And <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling, Dave. Well, I, I, think that, I think maybe we've got a good idea. And, and the answer is, you know, and I would love for other people to maybe write in or, or let us know what their feelings is. But yeah. there is, there is, I mean, I, my I want to say there is no wrong way. No. 
Yeah, but you know, there there are obviously some things that I would say is wrong. Certain maybe inappropriate topics uh, and stuff, but you know, there there is no wrong way. You just got to find the people that are that it fits with. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a game. It's it's uh, you you can you know figure out rule systems that you like versus rule systems that you do like uh, don't like. Um, and, and you know this doesn't apply to D and D only. This applies to role playing games in general. Like if you're a vampire, the masquerade group doesn't work for you. Find another vampire, the masquerade group, and you're going to be like, but but then I won't be able to hang out at Sherry's with my friends or I won't be able to go to Denny's with my friends. And it's like, yeah, you can have social groups that are separate from your D&D groups, your role-playing groups. And, you know, when you're younger, that's that's sometimes something that you may have a hard time with. I, I don't know. Um, and as you get older, the worst part about role-playing games is trying to schedule with the people that you actually want to play with. Yeah. And that is, like, by far the biggest hurdle isn't which which edition to play is never what class to play. It isn't should we ha- include this guy in our group or not. It is when can we meet. I don't care who we play with. I want to play D&D, and I want to do it next week. When can we meet? When can we meet? And that, honestly, like, once you get out of college, once everyone has real jobs. Real jobs, it's, yeah. It's... And kids, and you know, other hobbies other than Dungeons and Dragons. It's, it's like, oh man, okay, I've got this going on. I've got that going on. I've got this going on. When do we? When, when can we all meet up? What? Where are we gonna do it? Can we do it at your house? Can we do it at my house? Does someone need to bring food? Okay, it's gonna happen at seven o'clock. Make sure you eat before you come. Or oh, it's happening around five thirty. My wife will be making food for everyone. Or I'll make snacks for everyone. Or we'll get a pizza. Or you know, it's it's that's how you play D and D, folks. I mean, yeah, there's rules about what kind of character you can play and how to fight. But honestly, how you play D and D is by learning to read the room. Um, Knowing what you think is good for you and what isn't good for you, Be, being aware of yourself. You know, absolutely. And so, what I've done is because I've got, you know, I, I really do live on a, a working farm. Oh, sure, and, yeah. and my time's weird. I've found sort of a niche doing pickup games for online for Cyberpunk. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and I've got, you know, I've literally got a waiting list. That's pretty. And cool. I love pickup games because I get to meet a lot of different people. Oh yeah. But I set the time. You know, I, I put it out. You know, the the game notification like ten days before. You know, so it's not nece- it's not always the same day. I can work it around my schedule, and for some people that works. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I like the I- idea of a. Uh cyberpunk pickup game because that feels very cyberpunk it's like okay hey your fixer has just gotten whoever's in night city whoever is available at the time and you're gonna go do it uh, and, go and do there's a job. lots of there's 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 a lot of of lfg looking for groups mm-hmm. uh or um cyberpunk shared worlds that's awesome that's pretty cool 
Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to just do it with Cyberpunk. You could do, I mean, other people out there, if you want to set up stuff for, like, D&D, whatever edition, Pathfinder. I mean, high fantasy role-playing games are here to stay. There's so many of them. But, you know, D&D is the recognized brand. And honestly, I, I call a lot of role-playing games D&D without them actually being role-playing games. My kids call Skyrim Dungeons and Dragons because it's full of Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm like, no, yeah. it's, it's Skyrim. And they're like, whatever, it's Dungeons and Dragons. They play Dungeons and Dragons. They yeah. know about Dungeons and Dragons. And they also know that it irritates me when they call Skyrim Dungeons and Dragons. But... That's why they do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, of course, they say Fallout's just Skyrim with guns. And I'm like, no, it's not. And they're like, yes, it is. And then I cry and go play Skyrim. That's not true. Um, and if it is true, I'm not admitting it. Um, and any other final notes, thoughts that you have on D&D, uh, &D, on how to and play it? I think we covered it. We'll go into a little bit more details through the next couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. Now we get to the time of the show where we recommend things. Dave, okay. do you have anything to recommend that you've been watching, eating, listening to, driving, um, grooving on? So I, I would, um, you know, I'm kind of a, I got a little bit of time uh, to catch up and watch a little bit of the shows. Uh, and I'm really actually enjoying, not in a while, not bench something, uh -huh. but I'm watching um, as they come out. Uh, uh, Westworld, the oh. fourth season of Westworld. Yeah, I need to. And I won't spoil it, but um, cool. <laughs> it, it, it's it, it, there. There's some twists. Nice. I have seen. And you usually get the twist about halfway through a show, but it, yeah, it's, it's, there's some twists in what, the new season of Westworld. <laughs> yeah, I I need to catch up on third season because I I was like I don't want to do the thing where I wait every week to see an episode and it's like you know what i'm just gonna wait till the third season's done and then i'm gonna binge it and then i forgot to binge it and then fourth yeah, season came out time. yeah uh i've i've and yeah no i i love westworld i love the concept i i oh man uh the concept of robots being able to control their own character sheets i thought like yeah. when that happened that happened the first time uh, when that lady made her stats all 18, I was like, yeah. oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> so, so tri trivia fact, uh -huh. the original Westworld movie yeah. is the first movie to have the concept of computer virus before we even before the term existed. Oh, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love Westworld. I love the old Westworld, and I love the new Westworld. I just haven't watched the third or fourth season of it. Um, let's see. What have I been it's watching? It's a lot more. It, it, it's a, I'm not spoiling it. It's, it. There's flashback scenes, but it no longer takes place at the park. Okay. So third and fourth is very cyberpunk. Oh, cool. Uh, let's see. What have I been watching? Oh, um, new season of Harley Quinn. Um. And they've actually uh, shipped that boat that was uh, Harley Quinn and Ivy. Um, yeah, it's it's it's. I think it's got three or four episodes out now. It's in its third season, and I believe it's on HBO, same as uh, Westworld. 
Uh, what else have I been watching lately? I've been watching a lot of... Uh, no, no, I've been playing a lot of Cyberpunk 2077, and I just did a thing where I did all of the missions in the starting area, and then oh, I was okay. going to move on, um, but then the file was corrupted, so no one gets to see it, unfortunately, so I'm just going to try and do each section, and unfortunately the first part um, was corrupted, and didn't, anyway... So yeah, uh, but yeah, no, no. There's there's a lot of cool stuff out right now. Uh, Moon Knight is in its like sixth episode now, or something like that. I don't know if it's finished. Um, oh, dude, dude! Not only is it finished, a new series came. Oh, jeez, I am so bad with Moon Knight. So 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 not only is Moon Knight completely finished, mm -hmm. so is Miss Marvel. Oh man! Well, She Hulk's coming in August, and uh, yep. Uh, mid-August, and I've been excited for that forever because I am a huge She-Hulk fan. I love humor in comics. I love fourth wall breaking. Before there was Deadpool, there was She-Hulk. Um, yeah. I mean, she threatened to rip up all my Chris Claremont comics if I, you know, didn't uh, subscribe. And I didn't. And she, she never followed through, though, so that's good. Um... <laughs> I mean, that was a thing. It's like, if, if you don't read my... If you don't buy this, I'm going to tear up all your X-Men comics. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah no, no. Uh, I, I'm excited about She-Hulk. I'm excited about... Oh, man. Um, I'm excited about uh, the state of science fiction and fantasy. Uh, high sci-fi, low sci-fi, high fantasy, low fantasy... In general, uh, currently, it feels like, oh, man, I I am super excited about this, and it will probably be another year before it comes out. But I just saw shots and clips of Amazon's Fallout series of some mm -hmm. uh, things that they've been doing, so I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, there's it, it seems like there's a lot of cool stuff coming out right now. Um, trying to think of any other shows I've been watching. And I've been watching a lot of stuff, but I can't, like, think of it right now. But, yeah. And, and anything you've been watching, been up to? Um, so, yeah, I'm just sort of catching up on, like I said, I got caught up on Westworld waiting sure. for the next season. Uh, last series I really binged was a Belgian police procedural. Ooh. Uh, which is was called Unit 42. Okay. And it's a, basically a cyber detective crime but i love european dramas because they're so character driven yeah and they, they've got two old school detectives and two young kids that are sort of the techies mm -hmm. and the, the young kids are explaining um, they, they got their name just assigned randomly but the kids were trying to explain to the old guy you know we're unit 42 because we're the answer to everything and he just like <laughs> stares off get it cool cool and what was that called again? Unit forty two. It's on. Uh, uh, it's on. Um, or at least the first season. I don't think the the second season has been translated into English. But the first season is on Netflix. Okay, and I've probably mentioned this before, but uh, something I just finished, I think, on Netflix or Amazon. I can't remember. Uh, called Almost Fly, which is a uh, 
German dramedy that takes place in 1991, middle of nowhere, or 1990, middle of nowhere, Germany, um, after the wall fell. Um, but uh, these, these are uh, people, mostly people on the Western side, who have gotten into hip hop and are trying to figure out how to form a hip hop band in oh, cool. 1990 uh, West Germany um, when there's like virtually no hip hop and the closest thing to hip hop in Germany was uh, the Aus Austrian performer Falco in, oh. in, in the mid 80s but yeah who, who rapped during Rock Me Amadeus Anyway. Didn't he also do Dark Commissar? Yeah, yeah, but there wasn't a lot of there. They, I guess there was some rapping in that too, but yeah, it, it was rapping right up there with um, Blondie's Rapture, in my opinion. But you know. yeah, so take that as you will, and take this day and enjoy it because this has been the end of People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos with your hosts DB and Dave. Dave, is there anything you need to say before we head off into that brisk? Actually, it's not brisk. It's 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 hot. It's kind of hot, yeah. We head out well, to that we'll muggy evening. Yeah. What's that? We will see you next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see you next week, everyone, and have a good one. Uh, if if y'all find anything that uh, you want us to talk about or anything that you want to recommend, uh, we are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on instagram we are people's guide to the cthulhu mythos pgttcm and of course we've got pgttcm.com where you can message us and also if you want a self-addressed stamped i mean if you want stickers send me db self-addressed stamped envelope and message me and i'll let you know about that how to get it so all right everyone have yourselves a good one and we will see you next week, or we'll hear from you next week, or you'll hear from us next week. So stay weird, keep it squiggly, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. That was a good episode. Okay. Yeah, no, I will get... You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. like the TV series Tales from the Crypt? Are you interested in full episode and movie reviews from Tales from the Crypt? This podcast is for you. The Good Evening Kitties podcast, where I, Melissa, your ghostess with the mostest, recap every episode with special guests and bonus horror movie reviews. The Good Evening Kitties podcast can be found on most podcast platforms. Check it out today.